Let's pray together. Our Father, we have just sung and we're reminded that there is none but Jesus who can do helpless sinners good. And therefore, we pray that the Lord Jesus, by His Spirit, would be amongst us in this place this day, that His Word would go forth, it would run and have free course, He would ride, and He would go forth conquering and to conquer, He would sway His scepter, and that He would bring many into the kingdom of God, wherever the Word of God is preached, children of God would be made, and your people would be visited from help from on high through the preaching of the word by the power of the spirit to be made more and more into the image of him who loved us and gave himself for us. So, Lord, have your gracious way with each one here. We pray for those who are without hope and without God in this world, but are in this place. We pray that you would you would work mightily in their hearts. You would give them ears to hear. You would give them eyes to see the kingdom of God. You would give them hearts to receive the, the impress of the truth upon them that this might be the day of salvation. O oh Lord, extend your kingdom in this world and expand it within our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 13. recently engaged ourselves in a study of Christ's parables, and we're going to start in chapter 13 and read and preach upon and consider the seven kingdom parables that are found there. Last week we began opening up the parable of the soil or the sowers. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 and then Jesus' interpretation in verses 18 through 23. So please follow along as I read. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And great multitudes gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down and the whole multitude was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. And others fell upon the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful." And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Well, may God have his own blessing upon the preaching and the hearing 
of the word. Now I invite you to ponder the scene that Matthew paints before us. Before the Lord Jesus is a large crowd that has been gathered from the many, many cities and towns where he had recently preached during his second tour through Galilee. Now he has returned to his home base in the town of Capernaum. He has just left a house where he'd been teaching to an overflow crowd. He walked down to the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. Pressed as he was by a large crowd, he climbed into a boat, pushed off a short distance, probably dropped the anchor, and he sat down to teach. An eager multitude collected along the beach. Some may have taken seats, others plainly stood, still others probably milled around in the crowd. The twelve apostles and other disciples probably took their seats closest to where Jesus was teaching. You see, all this interest in Jesus' teaching may have appeared even to the apostles and other close associates of Jesus Christ to be a wholesale revival. They're coming from far and wide to hear about the kingdom of God. They're coming to hear you. But such was not the case. It was not wholesale revival. Things are not always as they appear to be. The Lord knew better. Not all that gathered, not all who expressed interest in the kingdom of God would prove finally to be citizens of that kingdom. You see, a time of winnowing had come. Many would soon begin to withdraw themselves from him. Not a few, in fact, would soon turn on their heels, we read in John chapter 6, and walk no longer with him. And so this Coming defection required an explanation. The faithful would need to know the reason why there was a coming apostasy. So you see, not all hearers become disciples. And so Jesus prepares his own for the inevitable defection of a large number from their ranks. They must understand the reason for this upcoming departure. And dear people, it's really the same way today. By way of principle, pastors must warn professed disciples of the situation in the church where there are many false disciples and those who profess to be disciples, they need to make their calling and election sure to make sure that they are good seed hearers of the word of God. Some who express interest in Christ have not the seed of the gospel planted deeply in their hearts, but rather they have the seed of apostasy germinating within them. And true Christians need the encouragement that comes with being confirmed in the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Now we noticed last time the great principle that the growth of a seed always depends upon the quality of the soil. It is crucial that we understand this if we would not become bewildered when we see many who hear the word never come to faith, never embrace Jesus Christ. Brother, let us never forget that the condition of our own hearts determines whether or not we will receive any saving benefit from the preaching of the Word of God. This is why Jesus commands us to be careful how we hear. Now, as we ponder this first soil type in Jesus' parables, we... We meet a very common hearer of preaching today. Let us be introduced this morning to the hard ground hearer. The hard ground hearer. And as he sowed, verse 4, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Verse 19, 
When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away <clears throat> what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. So this morning, let us, by way of exposition, consider first of all the calloused heart of the hard ground hearer. The calloused heart of the hard ground hearer. The first hearer represented in Jesus' parable is as tragic as it is common. He's everywhere under the preaching of the word. Now keep in mind that our Lord is not is describing people who hear the word. The good seed is being sown. They're not listening to those who preach false doctrine and heresy. They sit under the faithful preaching of the gospel. And nor should we assume that these hard ground hearers are necessarily openly hostile to the word. They give no indication of that. They seem to show some interest in the preaching or they wouldn't be sitting underneath the word of God. And yet these hearers prove indifferent to the preaching of the truth. They respond to preaching the same way that hard-packed ground responds to a seed dropped upon it. This person is indifferent to the word preached. And so the devil, like a hungry bird, he comes and he snatches the gospel seed from this person's hard heart. Now as we consider the calloused heart of the hard ground hearer, I'd like us to notice a couple of points. First of all, his calloused heart is unprepared to receive the word. It's not plowed up at all. It's pounded hard. So notice first then, the calloused hearer comes to the preaching of the word without a prayerful desire to hear God speak to him personally. I dare say if he prayed, God would open his ears and he would hear. But he doesn't want God to examine his heart with a searchlight of his word. He doesn't ask the Lord to open his heart to receive the preaching of the word. Instead, he acts as just showing up for church, we might say, and listening to the sermon proves that he's okay with God. I'm here and I'm hearing. So he doesn't ask God to reveal his sins or to reveal his need for Jesus Christ. He just doesn't have ears to hear. Furthermore, the calloused hearer comes to the preaching of the word without an earnest desire to make close personal application from the message. Like Felix, the hard ground hearer becomes uncomfortable when he hears sermons about doctrines like righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Instead, he wants to stay as far away from God as he can to keep a safe distance from personal application of the truth preached to his own heart. Oh, he might apply it to other people. He may be very glad to do so, but he doesn't apply it to himself. He steals his soul against any arrows of conviction. Oh, he, he may enjoy learning facts about the Bible, but he closes his ears when the pastor personally applies the Bible to him. Furthermore, his callous heart is not only unprepared to receive the word, it's unresponsive to the preaching of the word. Jesus teaches that this man's heart is impenetrable. The word rolls off his heart just like water off of a duck's back. He may show interest in the message, but it's all show. He may be like Ezekiel's hearers, who applauded his eloquence, but they rejected his message. They just went out and did what they'd done before. They liked to hear his message preached, because he preached with great eloquence, like a song in the ears. But they went away and did what they'd always done. Brethren, if carnality slays thousands, indifference slays its ten thousands. 
How instructive that at the conclusion of Christ's Sermon on the Mount, most who hung on his words went away unchanged and further hardened by his message. They were like the man who built his house on the sand, who hear Christ, but do not act upon his words. The hard ground here, you see, just doesn't want to ponder the pastor's sermon. He wants to put as much mental and emotional distance as he can from the message. He is like the man who sees his face in the mirror and then walks away, forgetting what manner of man he saw looking back at him. And so he just goes on his merry way, lost in his own thoughts, thinking about any other thing than the message. And here's the point. You see, every sermon that is heard but goes unheeded acts like a tamping bar upon your heart. Every unapplied message makes your heart just that much harder, making you just that much riper for judgment. To whom much is given, much is required. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and burst against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. So we're looking at the calloused heart of the hard ground here. We've seen that it's unprepared to receive the word. And secondly, it's unresponsive to the preaching of the word. But secondly, consider influences that harden the calloused heart of the hard ground hearer. Matthew 13 and verse 4. As he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Satan comes and snatches up the word, so it doesn't put down any roots. Notice, first of all, that his heart is hardened by the deadening influences of the world. Some seeds fell beside the road. The road in Jesus' parable was the pathway between two fields. It was commonly a footpath, and carts went over it. And because of people's pounding feet and the pressing wheels of carts, the ground became very hard. This pictures the deadening influence of the world upon men's hearts, preventing them from hearing the preaching of the Word of God. How does this happen? Well... He may be hardened by the influence of worldly companions. Bad company, the Bible teaches, corrupts good morals. And so does constant, trivial conversation. It has a way of dulling the impact of the Word of God upon us. Love of the word, world dulls the conscience and it clogs the ears. Ears tuned to the frequency of the world are seldom tuned to gospel preachers. You see, the world shuts out the word. Furthermore, he may be hardened by the impact of carnal influences. Second way the preached word is, is hardened in the heart is by worldly amusements. These may take the form of carnal music and media entertainment. You say, oh, you're just getting up here and you're going to be preaching upon the things of the world. Well, the Bible says we're not to love the world or the things of the world. And if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. In fact, if we are friends of the world, we prove ourselves to be enemies of God. So I make no apology. But the world is no friend of God, to help, a friend of grace to help us on to God. How many come to preaching captivated by the lyrics of some carnal song they were just listening to, or some movie? Or they go away from preaching only to plop down in front of the tube, or some other form of entertainment, and poof, the impact of the message is gone. 
The effect is to evaporate any good influence they might have received from the preaching of the word if they had just pondered it later, chewed it over, masticated on it, drew from it all the nourishment that God intends us to receive. Because he loves the carnal influences of the world, he cannot love the teaching of the word. Furthermore, he may be hardened by distracting activities, things that are otherwise good every other day of the week, but which lead him astray on the Lord's day. This may prevent the seed from, of the word from germinating. And because he doesn't sanctify the rest of the Lord's day, the preached word is quickly forgotten, and therefore it doesn't, doesn't germinate within his heart. For these and other reasons, the hard ground here does not understand the preaching of the word. That is his ultimate problem. He is insensitive to gospel preaching because he doesn't lay it to heart. What did Jesus say in, in verse 13? Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So his heart is hardened by the deadening influences of the world. Secondly, is he is hardened by the devious devices of the devil. The devil is devious. His devices are many. He delights in distraction. He wants to keep us occupied with other things rather than the great issues of life and death, heaven and hell, time and eternity. So consider first the devil's telling identity. Every time we come to hear the preaching of God's word, we encounter fierce opposition from the enemy of our souls. Ephesians 6 and verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Brethren, Satan doesn't stop out on the curb. Satan goes to church. You're engaged right now in spiritual warfare. Our brother just read about it from the 12th of Revelation. He wants to keep people out of heaven and going with him to hell. And he wants to keep God's people from worshiping God, from hearing the word, from growing in grace and conformity to him who is the image of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus refers to the enemy of our souls with various telling names in this, this parable. In Matthew 13 and verse 19, he calls him the evil one. In the parallel in Mark 4.15, he's Satan. And in Luke's account, he is the devil. So what Jesus is doing in this parable, he's sketching a composite picture of this evil bird who steals the word from the hearts of countless hearers. He is our vicious enemy. He is the destroyer of men's souls. He's not to be trifled with. He's real, and he's evil, down to the very core of his being. The word devil comes from a word which means accuser. The devil is a slanderer. He is our arch enemy, as we saw in Revelation 12. He is called the accuser of the brethren. Now, if he accuses ordinary Christians, surely he does not blush to accuse gospel preachers. They are his arch enemy. Satan, the name Satan means adversary. In both the New Testament and the Old, Satan means de and devil are used interchangeably more than 30 times. And that's just in the New Testament. He's also called the dragon. 
The old serpent, we heard that. The prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world, the spirit that is now at work in the children of disobedience. He's a terrible foe. He's not to be flirted with. He's no friend to any of us. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he takes men captive to do his will, Paul teaches. The title Evil One well expresses his essential character. He is evil through and through. He is a liar and has been a murderer from the beginning. He hates God and he hates man and he would destroy both if he could. Notice secondly the devil's destructive mission then. The devil knows that the word of God is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's why he wants to corrupt the word. He doesn't want men to hear the word. He wants to keep them in their sin, destined for and deserving of hell. Because the careless hearer pays no heed to the word preached, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. He lets it go. Brethren, we shouldn't be surprised at this. The devil, from the very beginning, we meet him in the third chapter of Genesis. He is a liar and he is a murderer. He steals a seed of the word from calloused hearts, as Luke says in Luke 8, 11, so that they may not believe and be saved. It can't get any plainer than that, can it? Be sure of it. Careless hearers could care less that the devil steals the word from their hearts. They're his dupes. They, like their spiritual father, love darkness rather than light. Therefore, they will not come to the light. Paul warns about the impact of the devil's blinding in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They don't want us, to, he doesn't want us to see Jesus. Notice thirdly, the devil's many devices. Now how does this foul fiend blind the mind of the unbelieving so that they don't understand? Well, Satan, like the birds in Jesus' illustration, employs many devious methods to gobble up the word sown upon the hearts of careless hearers. And what are these devices? Well, there are many others that could be mentioned. I have but a few. First of all, the devil prejudices hearers against the word of God. So we did in the garden with our first parents. You really believe God? You're going to take him at his word? No, listen to me, you'll really live. The evil one tempts men to doubt the goodness of God and to disbelieve the word of God. He slyly insinuate, insinuates such dangerous and unbelieving notions as these. For instance, the guilt you feel is false. It's due to the preacher's exaggerations. He's talking off the top of his head. He's talking out of the Bible, things that aren't true. He says, you listen to this preaching, you suffer from false guilt. You see, all is really okay with you. You don't need to take the Bible seriously. And those promises that this man preaches about are just so much pie in the sky. Don't believe his word. Don't believe a word he says. The Bible's threats are all exaggerations and lies. Or sin really isn't deadly. You see, the devil says the, the Bible doesn't really mean what it says about sin and what awaits sinners when they die. You see, all this talk about deadness and sin is just a cheap trick to keep you from enjoying life to its fullest. 
That was his word to our first parents. That's his word today. Satan says, go for the gusto, man, and don't look back. Or God cannot be wrathful toward you. The Bible everywhere calls God a God of love, right? Isn't that why Jesus came anyway, to show you God's love? Besides, what have you ever done to make God mad at you? Or nobody who has any sense really believes these things today, do they? These were ignorant. They were uneducated, agrarian people. But we've evolved, have we not? We know that these things are just lies, fairy tales, only to be listened to by old women and people crippled in the brain. All this preacher's talk is just so much religious mumbo-jumbo. We must not allow our enlightened minds to be blinded by any such unscientific, worn-out notions as these. Furthermore, the Bible is man's invention and full of error. This book they call the book of God, it's nothing but fiction. It was written by men. All its promises are hoaxes and its, em its threats are empty. These things were written just to manipulate people, to keep them in the dark and from enjoying life. So the devil prejudices hearers against the word of God. Furthermore, the devil prejudices hearers against the preacher. So he prejudiced religious leaders against Jesus, against Paul, and so today. The preacher is a hypocrite trying to make an easy living off of you. Can't you see you're being hoodwinked? The pastor's a phony. He's just a money-grubbing sham. He's just like other charlatans. It's only a matter of time before he reveals his true colors. Therefore, wise up. Or the preacher is just an ordinary fellow. So why should you listen to him? He's cut from the same bolt of cloth as, as we are. What makes him special? The preacher ain't special, but the revelation of God is. You say, well, we all, we all know this guy. He's just one of us. Besides, we know that he's not perfect. So why should we hear him? And Jesus here did the same thing at the end of Revela or Matthew chapter 13. He's the carpenter's son. He grew up with us. We know his brothers and sisters, James and Joseph, Simon and Judah. Judas, his sisters, are they not with us? Furthermore, the devil promises them that all is well with their souls, even as I intimated. Satan uses lies to, to, to men to make them feel good about themselves rather than to face their sin. He might say something like, well, you go to church regularly, therefore, you're good with God. Beware, you buy the devil's lie when he convinces you that your religious duties are proof positive that you're a Christian. Jesus says that false professing Christians go to church. And this is one of them. Oh, or this, since you were raised a Christ, in a Christian home, you're bound for heaven. You were raised by godly parents who read the Bible to you, who, who prayed for you and prayed with you and took you to Sunday school. They catechized you. You were raised by strict parents. You still go to church. So you're good to go. Or... You really aren't such a bad person, so you don't need this Jesus stuff. He came to call sinners. You're not a sinner. You're really a, a pretty good Joe. Of course you're not perfect, but, but hey, who is anyway? 
But you're better than most. Jesus is for bad people, but you're really pretty good. In fact, you're not as bad as that guy over there. Furthermore, the devil distracts him to think about other things. He not only prejudices hearers against the word of God and against the preacher and promises that all's well with their souls, he distracts them to think about other things. The devil presents himself as an angel of light. You don't need to think about this. Think about this other thing. He blinds sinners to the truth. He lures them away from God. He may tempt you with immoral thoughts. Satan will tempt you to daydream about immoral relationships rather than focusing your attention upon the holy word of God. So Satan steals the holy seed from your heart. Oh, he may tempt you to be preoccupied with your job or with school or with family duties. And instead of meditating upon the word of God, your thoughts are at the office or the shop or on your homework or family responsibilities. Any other thing than the preaching of the word. So the evil one snatches away the word from your heart. He may tempt you to focus upon leisure activities. Wow, what, what my plans are when I leave today. Vacation plans, sporting events, road trips. In fact, your smartphone, if it dominates your life, may even dominate you at church. You've got to check the latest text and email. So Satan prevents the seed of the word from germinating in your heart. Well, he may be tempted to distract you with financial worries, as we'll see with another kind of here. Paychecks, bank accounts, personal investments occupy your thinking rather than seeking eternal riches in Christ. And so Satan robs your heart of God's precious word. Now, dear people, in these and many other things and in ways, the evil one steals the word from your calloused heart. Each time you reject the word, your heart is made more and more resistant, pounded harder and harder into asphalt-like asphalt hardness and becomes in the process insensitive to the gospel. Finally, by way of exposition, let us briefly Consider the tragic doom of the hard ground here. We've seen his calloused heart. We've seen the influences that callous his heart. Now look at the tragic doom of the hard ground here. Jesus in Luke 8, 12 sounds a chilling warning for the hard ground hearer. And those beside the road are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart to what end? So that they may not believe and be saved. You see, the doom that's pronounced upon the calloused hearer, the hard ground hearer, is especially tragic because it's avoidable. Dear frivolous hearer, by treating the word of God so lightly, you are cooperating with the devil whose purpose is to prevent you from believing and being saved. You're joining hands with the infernal enemy of your soul. And by entertaining him and rejecting God, you are bringing damnation upon your never dying soul. The stakes are just that high. Had you listened to the word with believing ears, had you heard, heeded what you heard, had you believed upon Christ and turned from your sins, you would be saved. But you would not. Remember Isaiah's prophecy quoted by Jesus. About you, if you're a careless hearer of God's word. Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. 
For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and I should heal them. The problem isn't with the sower. The problem isn't with the seed. The problem is with the soil. It's with the calloused heart. Remember Judas He is the principal hard ground here. For three years he was privileged to hear the preaching of Christ, but was none the better for it, but only worse. He went out with the 70, preached. When they returned, Jesus said, when you were out there preaching, I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Jesus Judas was out there preaching. He may have been a very powerful preacher, but he never heeded what he said. He never heeded what he heard. His heart became pounded into asphalt-like hardness. It's a sad case when a person becomes gospel-hardened. They become hardened to the truth, by the truth, because they don't believe it. His heart had been pounded into asphalt hardness by the continual but careless hearing of the word of Christ. And such is the case with any here who continually refuse to heed the voice of Christ calling you to believe the gospel and be saved. Every sermon you hear in unbelief pounds your heart into stone. Let not these fearful words describe you from the pen of the psalmist. Psalm 81, verses 11 and 12. God says, But my people did not listen to my voice, and Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. We're to hear and we're to heed. We're to believe and we're to be saved. As long as you refer, refuse the offers of forgiveness in the gospel, you harden your heart. As long as you give your ear to the whisperings of the evil one rather than to the word of Christ, you seal your doom by de decree, degrees. Time will come, and I... Pray that it hasn't happened already that you cannot hear the word of Christ and be saved because you have sinned away the day of grace. If an apostle did it, we can do it too. So what does it say to us by way of concluding exhortations? Three, first of all, see the terrible danger of remaining indifferent to the preaching of God's word. Oh, the terrible danger of remaining indifferent to the preaching of God's Word. Let me ask you, do you have a hard, impenetrable heart? Is it like a Kevlar vest over your heart? And the Word just cannot pierce it? Have you done that to yourself? Do you have a hard, impenetrable heart? Then... Keep shutting your ears to God's Word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Damnation comes by disbelief in God's Word, and heeding the Word of the devil. When you reject the Gospel, you're not rejecting the Word of a mere preacher. You're rejecting, you're turning a deaf ear, to the voice of Almighty God. In grace and mercy, He's speaking to you. He's calling you to account. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. But if you will not hear Him now, you will hear Him then, 
and he will pronounce judgment against you. So let me warn you, dear friends, you cannot slight the goodness of God presented to you in the gospel without sealing your own doom. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Continue to sow unbelief, and you'll reap God's judgment. What does Paul say? Romans 2 and verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. These are fearful words, are they not? Should we turn a deaf ear to them? Should we turn our ear to the evil one? God is speaking to us. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Secondly, see the danger of the devil's subtle influence in keeping you from Christ. You see, you flirt with death as long as you deny what you know to be true, that God will damn you for your sin and unbelief. Don't think that you're going to escape God's judgment by shutting your ears to the gospel, by living in denial. That's the devil's logic. If I pretend that this word isn't true, maybe it won't be true. And if I turn my ear away from God, maybe it isn't him that's speaking anyway. That's the lie of the evil one. Living in denial doesn't change reality. The devil lies to you. He would have you stop your ears to the voice of God that he might take you to hell. Maybe you are one who has rejected truth long enough to heat the fires of perdition seven times hotter. You can't run from the word of God. You have no excuse before God. Instead, if you love your never dying soul, heed the Bible and flee to Christ from the wrath to come. You see, your escape is not found in running from Christ, but in running to Him. He has absorbed God's just wrath against all who believe upon Him. Do you have a death wish? Do you want to die in your sins when you can trust the one who... who endured the unsparing wrath of God upon the cross for all who believe in Him? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? If Jesus is not your Savior today, He will be your judge on the last day. Never forget the devil hates you. He wants to destroy you. Jesus loves you and offers to save you. The devil will use every weapon in his infernal arsenal to keep you away from Christ. He wants to keep you under His power, in your sin, in love of the world, out of heaven, and on the way to hell. But Jesus, the stronger than strong man, who came into this world to deliver you from Satan's grasp, so that you may enter His kingdom and be delivered from the wrath to come, listen to Him, heed His word, come to Jesus that you might be saved. Listen to the Apostle John of this stronger than strong man. 1 John 3 and verse 8, The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Some of us have been his works. Indeed, all of us have, until we've come to Christ. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And some of us were quite a work. But he destroyed the works of the devil in saving us from our sins. He snatched us as brands from the burning. Finally, see your need to hear and immediately heed Jesus' call to come to him. Jesus this morning is casting gospel seed out amongst us. Let me ask you, has your heart welcomed his word? Has your heart been plowed to receive the word? Has it been fertilized with prayer to germinate the word? You see, he who calls you 
is as insistent as he is loving. Don't turn a deaf ear to him. Why will you die? The longer you resist the Lord, the harder your heart becomes. And understand, if that's your case, your situation is desperate. Go to him right now. He welcomes you. Don't wait a moment longer. Hear his fearful warning. Proverbs 29 and verse 1. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. Beyond remedy. As Jesus sowed the good seed of the gospel, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. I hear you saying, I can't hear him calling me. If you can't hear him calling, you plead with God to give you hearing ears. Cry out to him to give you a believing heart to embrace Jesus Christ. Plead with him to give you feet to run to him that you might be saved. Hear the heart of God and his son, Jeremiah 23, 32. And with these verses I close. God says, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. Jesus, John 6 and verse 37. All that the Father gives to me shall come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Go to Jesus today. Be saved for time and eternity. To be delivered from the devil. From this perishing world. To put your feet into and one day enjoy the fullness of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, let none of us be found to be described as this first hearer, to be calloused, to have stony hearts. Oh Lord, would you break our hearts? Would you speak peace through the cross? Indeed, through your blood that you shed, might you rescue any here who are on the wide road that leads to destruction, cause the word of the gospel to germinate in their hearts, to put down roots and to bear up fruit unto eternal life, 30, 60, and 100 fold. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.